You're listening to a Rua podcast created by St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. I'm your host, Chantal Moyer. For this year's Lenten season, we decided to go back to a book we published in 2009 and offer it as an eight-episode podcast series to be released over the course of the season. The 2009 book, titled A Book for Lent, Toward What We Can Scarcely Imagine and Scarcely Refuse, was written by James Snyder, an American Lutheran pastor and a friend to St. Benedict's Table, with illustrations by Helen Lyons. The first version of these eight meditations was written in 2000 for use at St. George's Anglican Church in Halifax, Nova Scotia. With the exception of the first meditation, which was a sermon for Ash Wednesday entitled Atla, the reflections were all delivered on Good Friday 2000, based on the seven words, or the seven sayings from the cross. Jim provides material of substantial depth, delivered with a bit of grit and with a storyteller's eye to detail, all offered up in the service of the proclamation of grace. In spite of the fact that these addresses were originally delivered on the two most solemn days of the Christian year, they are not without their touches of humor. As you listen, it will become more than a little clear that Jim Snyder is rather thoroughly committed to a perspective that says that in Christ, the grace of God has overcome all else. For this series... Jamie Howison will be reading the text of these meditations. The second word, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. I had a grandfather who lived well into his nineties, robust and active to the very end. He'd outlived all his contemporaries, yet at his funeral the sanctuary was full to overflowing. There were glowing tributes and eulogies from various people, and while I appreciated hearing them, they had little to do with the reason we were commending him to God. The minister understood, however, for he preached grace. Quoting Luther on his deathbed, he said, Before God we are all beggars. And I thought, yes, that is true, even my grandpa. For I had seen my own grandfather reach that point at the end of his life when he cried out in desperation and begged like the thief on the cross, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Remember me, please remember me. That occasion did not make it into their eulogies because nobody would have believed it. It would have shattered the image everyone had of this man. They wouldn't have known what to do with it. My grandfather was one of those rare types who never betrayed a human flaw or a negative emotion. He was the paradigm of graciousness. People respected him and loved him. They took counsel from him. They delighted in him, as I did. He was a lay preacher, a Bible study leader, and a chaplain during both world wars. He was a public speaker with a powerful bass voice, an eloquent style and a sharp but subtle sense of humor. He was a YMCA director who spent the greater part of his professional life working with disadvantaged youth. He was also an English teacher. He loved the Romantic poets, especially Wordsworth. He was an archaeologist and a botanist. 
He loved the lakes and woods and gardens, and he loved bird watching. Above all, he loved the Lord. The depth and magnitude of his faith was somehow revealed in everything he did. If piety is, quote, the practice of the presence of God, my grandfather did not have to practice it. He lived and breathed it. Thus, as dear and formative as he was in my life, he was never a role model for me. A role model is someone you might emulate, someone you might approach and conform to in some way. This man was utterly beyond me. He was an enigma, an utter mystery. As hard as you might look, you could find no trace of malice or resentment or irritableness or self-centeredness in this man. And you'd wonder, where do these people come from? How does this happen? Is it a genetic abnormality? Why can't I be like this? And I call myself a priest? You know the feeling? You just sit back and marvel at these people. He was everything I wasn't, everything I could never be. I was his namesake, and yet, compared to him, I felt like a foundling. But during his last week on earth, that all changed. The week that others erased from his biography is the week I find the most profound. I'd flown up to Minneapolis from Texas during that time. They said he didn't have long and they were right, but I didn't know how intense it would be. When I walked into that hospital room, I met not my grandfather, but someone else. This was the world's angriest man. Everything he'd suppressed for the past 95 years was coming out, and it was bitter, it was vile, it was unspeakable. Execrations and profanities we never suspected he even knew flowed out with the fluency of a professional sailor. He cursed, he ranted, he screamed. Bile bubbled forth like an erupting volcano, and it was unstoppable. My family was mortified, of course. They couldn't believe it. But I marveled and thought, all right, so he really is a human being after all. This was not dementia or some other clinical dynamic going on. It wasn't just that he'd lost control of his censor. This man was lucid and rational, and he was raging. He was raging against the futility of living without being able to live. He was raging against the futility of not being able to die. He was raging against God for not rescuing him. He was raging against God for keeping him here too long. When, for the past 25 years, all he'd wanted to do was join his deceased wife. I saw a man so lost, so adrift, he could do nothing else. This majestic fortress of strength, impregnable as the Jerusalem temple, had crumbled to ruin. His faith had become a plywood shack, ready to blow over in the first high wind, and it did. In the midst of one of his vituperative outbursts, my aunt interceded and implored, No, Papa, Papa, no, you must stop this. Think of Jesus, you must remember Jesus. He 
turned to her, shook his head, and said, No, I can't think of Jesus. I cannot remember Jesus. It's Jesus who must remember me. Then, not long afterward, he slipped into unconsciousness and died within the hour. All of us, to some degree, have trouble dispelling the delusion that there are two types of people in this world, the good and the bad, the righteous and the unrighteous, the saints and the sinners. There are people like my grandfather, and then there are thieves on the cross. And there is an unbridgeable abyss that divides them, right? If you'd heard the eulogizing of my grandfather, you would have thought, here is a man whose life guarantees him a place in heaven. Here is a man who doesn't even need a savior. Well, thank God there was a preacher who knew the gospel. No, as much as anyone who had ever lived, this man needed a savior. Before God, we are all beggars. Before God, there is no difference between a saint and a man in the electric chair in terms of the good we do in this life and all the sacrifices we make, it is grace that makes us who we are. And it is only grace that will deliver us unto God. At the end, whatever we've done or haven't done is irrelevant, absolutely irrelevant, for it depends, absolutely depends, solely and exclusively upon his word. Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. That is a word for you. That word will happen simply and only because he has said so. And the most difficult thing you will ever have to do in this life is believe it. That was Jamie Howison reading a Lenten reflection written by Jim Snyder. Please consult the show notes for a link to a web post on which each episode in this series will be posted as it becomes available. On that post, you will also be able to view some of Helen Lyon's artwork from the print edition of the book. The music for this series is by Steve Bell and is used with Steve's blessing and by the good graces of Signpost Music. If you would like to know more about our work or provide some support for our online ministry, please visit us at stbenedictstable.ca. I'm your host, Chantal Moyer. Thanks for listening. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Oh, sometimes it causes me.